Hey, Carl here to announce that I'm going on a worldwide Blazer Road Show sponsored by DevExpress with 21 stops in the United States starting February 10th and ending March 26th. I'll be showing you architecture best practices, how to make and consume generic components, how to call JavaScript to enhance your apps, how to implement authentication and authorization, how to monitor the traffic that goes back and forth between the browser and the server, how to measure and optimize your app's memory footprint, and a lot more. I'll also introduce you to some exciting Blazor controls, including a data grid and an appointment scheduling component. Everyone gets a copy of the demo and the Blazor controls. To see if I'm coming to your neck of the woods, go to blazerroadshow.com. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we recorded this way back in November. Oh my God, it's January 2nd. I'm freezing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me you're waiting for the summer to come because that would be much too cliche. Oh, you know, that reminds oh. me. It's time to uh, post that on Facebook for all my friends. Maybe I'll... Always, always a good thing. Maybe I'll put a link to it here in the show notes. Anyway, I uh, hope your Christmas and New Year's was good. Uh, and <laughs> Mine was amazing. <laughs> good. Well, anyway, let's get going with uh, Better No Framework. Awesome. All right, dude, what do you got? I got this thing called Mattermost. What's a Mattermost. I don't know. What's the matter with you? A mattermost, <laughs> mattermost.org is an open source, self-hosted, Slack-compatible Slack alternative. Ah, uh, okay. Because Slack was becoming too much of the man? I guess. You know, some people <laughs> want to keep it all in-house and, you know, yeah, yeah. not. So, the from the website, it says, as an alternative to proprietary SaaS messaging, Mattermost brings all your team communication into one place making it searchable and accessible anywhere. It's written in Golang and React. Nice. And runs as a production-ready Linux binary under MIT license with either MySQL or Postgres. That's pretty cool. It is cool. So that's what I got. I haven't tried it, of course, but, uh, no. you know, I'm a happy it's Slack well, and customer. It's, and it's not a Teams alternative, because who'd want that? No, no. <laughs> it couldn't be. Couldn't be. That's crazy talk. It is crazy talk. Well, anyway, that's what I got. Who's talking to us today? Grabbed a comment off of show 1552, the one we did back in June of 2018 with Francois Tanguay and uh, Jérôme Laban talking about Uno. Yeah. And at, the, and at the time, they were open sourcing Uno. We we met them at Build in 2018, if you right, recall. Right, yeah. And we had that great conversation. I know we're going to talk about XAML, and these guys, you know, they're kind of XAML gods. Right. And we did that show back uh, a few weeks ago uh, with Ryan talking about um, WinUI 3, and then he mentioned Uno as well. So I thought I'd go dig through the comments, and I got this great comment here. This is from Nyan Chowdhury, who says, uh, Thank you, Carl and Richard, for highlighting Uno. When I heard about Uno on 1551, which is a show we did with Frank Kruger about uh, Wii. Right. I was driving my car, and I'm just saying it can be dangerous to hear about great tools while doing something with which requires your focus. Yeah, Nyan, just pull over. <laughs> like, don't <laughs> die, man. Otherwise, we have to get real jobs, and nobody wants that. Right. 
I had a mixed feeling, excitement, and resentment. I jumped with joy and I cussed a lot because I was looking for such a platform for cross-platform UI development. I had resolved that if I don't find any, I would start writing my own. Uno is nice, except for my reservations on the use of Xamarin for Android and iOS. It, it, it seems to me that Xamarin arrived too late and too big, but I digress. I'm like, I don't know, dude. I think Xamarin's getting better. <laughs> they, 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 got, they got there early. It's just hard. And to add, if anyone doesn't know about Avalonia, it deserves to be highlighted. I recently found out about it as a multi-platform .NET UI framework, and they're just getting to beta. And admittedly, Nyan wrote this message a year ago. It's an it's a GitHub project called Avalonia, mm-hmm. and I'll include a link to the show notes. I do I did do my sort of GitHub inspection of it, and you know check ins in the in this week. There's about a hundred contributors to it, so it's going somewhere. But it is a cross platform XAML uh, framework for .NET framework, .NET Core, and Mono. Interesting. So people trying to do a very hard thing, building other implementations of XAML. Like, that's not a trivial problem. It is not trivial. Yeah, I, I don't envy anybody trying to do that. Uh, so, uh, Nyan, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music Code Buy is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music Code Buy, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or via Facebook because we publish every show there. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, I'll send you a copy of Music Code Buy. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell, and I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. I just wanted to say Slackbot. <laughs> because Slackbot. 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 <laughs> All right, let's get Dimitri on the show here officially. Dimitri Leyalen is the Senior Program Manager for Visual Studio XAML Tools. During his 20-plus years of professional software development, he's worked in many companies, but most recently joined Microsoft, where he's been employed since 2008. While at Microsoft, he's taken on multiple roles, including Microsoft Consulting and Premier Jobs, before moving to corporate to be part of the Visual Studio wider product team. In his spare time, he loves to write code every week, explore Washington State outdoors with his wife, and is a passionate PC gamer. Welcome back, Dimitri. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I guess... Uh, your bio's still out of date. You don't have... You have a little baby now. Yeah, I should update my bio. Like, oh, you're a passionate yeah. gamer, but not an active gamer at the moment. Because, you know, baby. <laughs> you have a, you're playing a different kind of game now. Yeah. One that involves even more sleep deprivation. And a lot of biological debris. Yes. It is exhausting. It is just exhausting. You, you love them. I love him. But, oh my God, am I always so tired? Yeah. yeah. Now that you, you'll hit a point in you know, another year or two where you're going to wonder what the heck you did with all your time before baby. <laughs> right? Like right now you're just trying to stay alive. But once you start to get your hands uh, you know, around the problem and you, you're now functioning, it's just like, I'm content and I'm busy and I don't know what I did with my time before this. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I believe you. I would not have believed you before the baby, but now no. I totally believe you. Now, now you feel it. The other the other one you don't believe you're going to be able to do, but you will be able to do, is allow your child to take a Cheerio out of their mouth, put it in your mouth, and not only do you not throw up, you chew it up and go, mmm. <laughs> <laughs> I believe they- you also on that. <laughs> it's already happened. <laughs> Just don't uh, let them put them in their ears. Yeah. Yeah, there you or go. Or up the nose. Hammer, anvil, stirrup, fruit loop. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's been an exciting year, I tell you, you know, having a baby, becoming a program manager in Visual Studio, and then getting to watch all the wonderful 
things the team has been doing. You know, the the, the team is. You know, when I say team, I mean the wider team. You know, bringing yeah. .NET Core for WPF to WinForms, uh, seeing the Windows folks start doing UI three project. All of this super exciting, and I mean, next year is going to be busy. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and XAML tooling. Is there such a thing? Yeah, there is. And that's where I spend most of my time. So let me talk a little bit about like Visual Studio generally before I go into the tooling. Visual Studio 2019 is, is where I, I finally kind of joined the product team, right? Became a program manager. And uh, the XAML team was a great fit for me because I used to be a WPF developer. I've shipped two WPF applications to production. I've shipped Silverlight applications, Windows Phone applications, lots of XAML in my time. All of it for real, right? So not like yeah. hobby projects or anything. Um, and my WPF apps were massive. So when I got the opportunity to join the Visual Studio team, having joined the XAML team was a, a, absolutely wonderful um, because I can finally kind of make an impact on the tools that helped you know, me have a paycheck for so many years. You know, XAML, XAML paid for a lot of things. It was a good time. And uh, we have so many customers that are still dependent on it. So just kind of looking at uh, 2019, there's been a lot of focus in general about making sure that this version of Visual Studio is very stable, very performant. My team is a big part of that for our tools, you know, constantly bug fixing, constantly watching performance of how long it takes to open something, load something, render, run. All of yeah. that is, is tracked by lots of dashboards and lots of telemetry, lots of other things that we do. Um, so that, that was really exciting because over the years, I have had the complaint like, hey, Visual Studio is getting a bit big, a bit, a bit slower. And I'm, I'm hoping that customers are seeing uh, some positive changes there. But, you know, with all of that, we, we have to not lose the side of features because there's lots of things that could be done to improve productivity. And uh, that's kind of what I want to talk about today, like what my team is doing to, to make XAML developers more productive. And how are you doing that, sir? Yeah. So we have a couple of things that we have going on. First of all, we've got our partnerships, right? So I need to talk about those and get them out of the way because they're so important. And a lot of uh, people kind of think, well, you're, you're maybe the silo team just, just focused on WPF and UWP, but we actually have a really great partnership lately with Xamarin Forms. So Xamarin Forms is the other team at Microsoft doing XAML. And, you know, over time, those two teams, like my team and theirs, grew up organically, but now we work a lot closer together. It's, it's a really strong partnership. We look at all new features, all you know, improvements in language if, if we have any opportunities. And certainly the behind the scenes, just sharing more code so that as a XAML developer, if you move from Xamarin Forms project to WPF projects, things kind of feel as same as possible. That's really one of our goals. Yeah. And wherever, you know, there are strengths, we're bringing those strengths to, to the right platform. So that's a partnership that I think will, over the next year, like, you know, really, really improve the lives of all of these developers. So, so I hope uh, folks listening here know that we're, we're not like, bunch of separate teams at Microsoft. We're really one unit. We certainly have a couple of feature crews that do different kind of work, but we work together and the yeah. PMs meet, you know, weekly, if not, you know, if not more. So, so we're all talking and we're all trying to make the world better. And uh, if the community sees something that, that we could be doing better for them when it comes to XAML, we're here to listen. So just wanted to point that out. But to and, make that, you know, I think the subcontext here is there are different flavors of XAML. Like Xamarin Forms is a XAML-like interpretation for mobile and WPF and UWP are actually different as well. Am I right there? So you, you can definitely call them different flavors of XAML and mm -hmm. the controls might be called differently and the availability of features might be different, but 
if you know XAML for one of these platforms, you really do know XAML for the rest of them. It's, it's, a, you know, it's an XML markup language. It's not that much different for any one of these. It's not like you go to Xamarin Forms and you're lost. You might not know the name of the control, but that's easy enough to rectify, right? With a, with a Google search or getting started guide. Um, the biggest difference that, that we've had, honestly, between like desktop and mobile has been the behind the scenes code base, right? Where certain right. things kind of felt different because we literally had different logic processing trying to come up with the same results. And that's where we're, we're shrinking that surface area to make sure that the best code and, and one code base is invested to by all the teams. So one example is the code editor on VS for Mac is actually the same code editor in terms of the code base as the one we use for desktop on Windows. So if you're on a Mac building a Xamarin Forms app using Visual Studio for Mac, you're using code that my team helped build, and then the Xamarin team helps evolve. So now it's one code base versus two, and we're looking to do that for every feature, whether it's how to reload designers, et cetera, right? So that, that's a big focus of our team. So that's that awesome. feels the same. You know, I don't know if you could speak to this or not, but a few years ago, we were talking the same way there was a .NET standard, there was supposed to be a XAML standard. Uh, although yeah, it, I don't know <laughs> that it ever ended up anywhere. Can you, can you talk to that at all? Yeah, XAML standard comes up all the time. So I'm not shocked that you brought it up. Um, I don't have a lot to say about it except to, to kind of admit that, you know, that effort started and ended. So, so it's not something that's ongoing right now, at least to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, people can still rightfully call us out and say that there are XAML differences between the platform. There are naming differences between controls that are practically the same thing, right? Those sort of things still exist. We're very aware of all of those and, and we hope to improve things in the future. Um, it doesn't have to be part of this this effort that started and stopped, right? Like we we as a team are now sitting and we're talking. We we recognize the pain. It's just change is really hard when you have customers using something. If you change it, like what happens to those customers? Do we break applications? Right, do we yeah. do we have to write tools to help people refactor or smart tips or whatever? Um, all of that is effort, and it would take away from other things we need to do. And there's certainly a lot that I think the community feels right now is more important. So that's where we're spending the time. Well, we had that conversation with Ryan uh, about WinUI 3, and one of the points he made was that going forward, everything was going to be .NET Core. Is, yeah. Does that affect you as well? Oh, for sure. Um, I, I lose days of time every week on this subject. So when, when you see other people talking about like this whole .NET Core thing and WinUI and .NET Core for EWP, all of these things that I'm deep, deeply involved in, um, and tooling deeply depends on to to do all the things that we need to do to actually build the developer experience for it. So uh, super excited to see .NET Core be the one runtime across WPF and WinUI, which will include both a desktop variant, as you guys probably talked about in the last show, and the UWP mm-hmm. model, right, for those that, that want to deploy it that way. So having .NET Core be the same everywhere is super useful because you that means everybody can use the same kind of libraries, everybody can depend on the same .NET standards, Everybody can use the same version of C-sharp 8 or VB, whichever language they choose. And as .NET 4 evolves into .NET 5 and .NET 5 evolves into .NET 6 and all of that happens over the years, that means all of your UI frameworks just move together. And there isn't any more of a difference. Like, yes, XAML might have some differences, the controls might have some different names, but your C-sharp and your .NET will be the same across all of these applications. And that, that is like super revolutionary. And we, we are killing ourselves to make sure that happens next year. Fingers crossed, projects are in motion. You know, we talk about sort of how productive we were in Windows forums all the time as if, you know, the good old days, right? But, <laughs> but there, were a lot of, there were a lot of issues with it. And, you know, the, you have some great 
constraints being pixel based like gdi is mm-hmm. and you you know that help you sort of you do, since you don't have so many options you don't spend time having to think about these things but you also don't get such a, a rich experience and one of the things that always sort of bugged me about xaml is how awesome it is and i mean that mm. in the best way i mean like it bugs me that there is so much so many possibilities for like transitions and animations and and things like that that you can just put in there uh into a single instance of some control and customize it to your heart's content but now you've got all this goo like in your ui layer that so now you have to like build a another component and just move all that xaml out into something else so that your actual screen markup isn't cluttered with all of the details of the controls. It's kind of like if you were a VB program and you dragged a custom control and then this, you know, C++ screen popped up and you had to to implement all of the features yourself. Oh, yeah. You know the, the, I mean? This is a reality of any XAML developer's life. You know, in fact, talking to customers, which I get to do all the time now, this often comes up, like we started some project a long time ago, and now I'm on that project, and I don't understand why people made the decisions that they did. I don't know what resources are available. The project is a solution with 50 projects in it, and it has you know, six resource libraries, and oh my god, I'm lost. Help us, right? So yeah. that, that is the reality of XAML. Like you get all that power, and the power comes at the cost of some of the complexity. And there's ways to manage the complexity. The way that I always tell people is you know, use resource dictionaries, split things into as, as many kind of projects as it makes sense for things to be logically organized and easy to find. Like, make sure your resources are in one place. Make sure your templates are in one place. Make sure that you use controls as much as possible to move some of that demo complexity like right. you alluded to into, you know, concrete corners of your application that you can manage the complexity there. And if you build it all around MVVM, the, the you know, the architecture becomes pretty healthy for a complex project. I have never done a big WPF app without using MVVM. In fact, I kind of relied on Prism. It doesn't mean everybody has to, but model view view model it gives you that separation of concerns. Your view model contains your your data. You've got some services that do the processing of connecting to things that have the data and putting them into the view model. Your binding becomes this you know independent layer to get from your XAML controls to the view model. Yeah. And if your XAML is then structured well, the way I sort of described it in the beginning of this, it's not so bad, right? The complexity comes in really when, when you omit some of those rules because you know time is running out and you've got to ship a product, so that mm-hmm. happens. Um, you get some developers who don't um, just have education on it. That happens, right? It's nobody's fault. Like People sometimes are thrown into a project without being told the right way to composite things, and if nobody's paying attention, next thing you know, you have lots of XAML written in a way that maybe it shouldn't have been written, mm-hmm. um, but, but it's all possible to manage. And the, the only risk comes in sometimes from third-party controls where, you know, there's sometimes complexity in editing those templates that get away from you a little bit. But again, it, it's experience. Like any software project with great power, it comes comes with complexity. We have to manage, and that's mm-hmm. where we get paid the big bucks. Yeah, right. You know, the, um, the, the tip about, you know, moving, you know, making your own custom controls if they have, you know, the same look and feel and the same sort of animations... Uh, I used to do that in Blend for WPF. Is Blend still a thing? And is it a uh, multi-dialect uh, of XAML now? 
<laughs> well, it it sounds like you're you're ready for me to talk about tooling. I I love it. All Let's right. Talk about See what I did there? <laughs> oh no. Yeah, a little. We call that a segue, deviation. but it's not the thing you ride. That's like a meatball. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty yeah. miles an hour, right over the plate. We did it. We're here. Woo! Uh, tooling. So I love tooling. I'm a little bit biased because tooling pays the bills. Um, but but I truly love it because I I get to make so many developers' lives better and. The question of like Visual Studio versus Blend comes up all the time. It's one of those other subjects that's very, very normal to talk about. So let's talk about it. You guys have a version of Blend just for the for the South, right? It's, <laughs> it's called Blend. Oh my God! I'm not even gonna go there, Carl. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna stick to the official product name. If you don't okay. mind, I I have a paycheck to protect. Uh, so, so blend, um, you know, the, the product that gets installed when you install Visual Studio in the right workloads, um, still exists. Um, definitely some people like to use it. There's no reason to stop using the product if it works for you. But the way that I think about tooling nowadays is I try to make Visual Studio better because the reality is that's where most of my customers are. And, um, I don't see a lot of compelling reasons to go and, and make changes to blend at the moment, but it doesn't mean the community can't change their minds potentially. So, Yes, there are some things in Blend that are unique to Blend, uh, but for the most part, all the features that we're building right now are going into VS, and that hopefully gives, gives developers the ability to stay where they are for everything else and still be more productive. So that's kind of the goal that we have with tooling. And if you start looking at what we, we did, you know, starting with Visual Studio 2019, uh, the very first thing we did was we, we made sure IntelliCode works great for XAML, for example, right? So if mm. you're in a code editor, you're changing your XAML and you have 2019 installed, you, you have IntelliCode, which if you don't know what that is, hopefully folks do, um, is a, an AI kind of engine that tries to predict the next thing you're going to type. And I know that we've made a lot of noise that it's there for languages like C-sharp. So C-sharp developers hopefully know that, hey, as I start typing, uh, my IntelliSense kicks in with stars. All of a sudden, some of the properties are above every other property. And and you look at them and you're like, hmm, maybe I actually do want to use that, that particular method or property because IntelliCode scanned a ton of GitHub projects, right? That was, a, that was our effort. We went to public GitHub repos. In other words, nothing private was used. And we looked at all the public ones and we built some ML models. We said, what, what do people normally type? Like if they type A, do they type B, C, or D? And if it's D, we put D first. And that same knowledge came, got created for uh, the, the same model got created for XAML as well. So we've enabled that for C Sharp, XAML, and other languages. And now typing XAML is just so much faster. Like I find IntelliCode is super useful. If you live in a code editor, just having IntelliCode there magically appear, you, you know, it, it saves you so much time. Uh, really, really great feature. And I'm sure you've probably had guests talking about it before. Can't be the first one. So, so we we just saying we're not going to bother with a designer anymore. Just write your code by hand, but IntelliCode is there to make it easy. Oh, not at all. I mean, I I would say that's a feature. Like, I'm I'm staring at a list of features we can talk about. It's very long, mm -hmm. Richard. <laughs> I'm not sure if we're going to get to all of them, but we're going to get to all the all the areas, right? So well, uh, we mentioned Blend. So I just thought, you know, there's the XAML designer too. Where does that fit yeah, into the for equation? Sure. Yeah, uh, definitely. So, so let, let's go on a journey through the tools in Visual Studio, right? Let, yeah. let's, let's say we're going to start with the code editor, we're going to move to runtime tooling, and then we'll talk about designers. I, I think that kind of makes logical sense. And um, as we start in the code editor, we, we want to make the code editor very effective because lots of people do live there, especially the more advanced developers. 
Um, you know, I, I started my career, you know, again, working in WPF uh, when it came to the XAML side of my career. And I used Blend a lot back then. But the more I, I learned WPF and how to build XAML, the more I started using just the code editor, right? I became a code editor junkie. Um, so I'm excited for all these features. And we have all sorts of things that we're trying to do better in the code editor. IntelliCode is just one of them. Um, we have other features that we've worked on. So for example, um, the code editor window and the designer window used to be non-separatable. So we've just recently added a feature that lets you pop out the code editor, put the designer in a different screen, put the code editor in a different screen, and now your multi-monitor setup is letting you continue to go type that all that XAML powered by IntelliCode, making it better for you, and see the designer change on the left. So lots of cases like that where you can't really separate the code editor from the designer functionally, but physically you can finally. So mm. those are those are features we're looking to make people's lives a little bit better. And this comes right from feedback from customers of things they want. Another thing that we're looking to do is uh, just make, make the IntelliSense in, in XAML um, make sense to developers coming from places like C Sharp. Uh, so one piece of feedback we got was snippet support. Um, you know, snippets is something that people, some people really like in, in C Sharp. And we mm-hmm. used to never even show snippets in, in IntelliSense in XAML. So we fixed that. So now we have snippets in, in IntelliSense and XAML. We ship a couple of snippets. You can build your own. Snippets can often make life really productive, especially if you have very common things you repeat over and over. So again, another productivity improvement that we're trying to do for developers there. And th- th- there's a funny story when it comes to snippets. The, the reason why even we even got the snippets started with regions. I got three customers reaching out to me, three different people reached out with with tickets, feedback tickets, where they asked for features. Mm-hmm. And the feature was, please add region support to XAML. And uh, the reasoning was resource dictionaries, right? You have very large resource dictionaries. You know, lots of things are mixed in there. And it'd be really great to organize them and not having to, not having to have split them into different files just for the sake of it, right? right? By being able to use one file, but you have many regions that the group maybe some of your styles or some of your animations together, whichever things you want to do. And we, we had to ask ourselves the question, I wonder why they're asking, because we have region support. We've had it since 2015. <laughs> I thought you um, just had a sort of a collapse and expand feature for every tree, if I'm Yeah, so, right. so we had that, but we also added regions. Oh. And that's when we, we had a realization. We didn't really document that we had regions. We mm. had an IntelliSense um, bug <laughs> when it came to regions. So mm-hmm. it wasn't showing up properly in IntelliSense. Like you could find it, but it wasn't easy. So it was completely undiscoverable. It was totally our fault, right? And that asked another question, how do we make things like regions more discoverable? So we decided to add a snippet. And that's when we realized snippets weren't showing up in IntelliSense. So all of that investigation led us to fix IntelliSense for regions, um, document regions, and also make it so there's a snippet and snippets show up in IntelliSense. So it was one of those beautiful reports from, from our users, which led to a bunch of things getting, getting added very quickly. So that was really awesome. Just, that's cool. It's like you'd already done all the hard work. You just hadn't told anybody or made it discoverable in any way. Right. Exactly. So that, that became like, oh, yeah, we can just go, go and make all that work. Um, so there's lots of stuff going on in the code editor. We, we have lots of other things we're planning. So if you're, if you're, you know, living in the code editor, like lots of people do, know that we're investing there. And, and one of the things I hope that people take away from this episode is that we're investing in all, in all three areas I mentioned earlier. Like we're going we're gonna to talk about designers in a minute. We're going to talk about 
um, the live debugging tools in a minute. And we're talking about this topic now, like all three areas are being invested into. And also, awesome. we're investing into all the platforms, right? So if you're a WPF developer, a UWP developer, a Xamarin Forms developer, we're looking to give you the same experience across all of them. And in the future, when you're a WinUI developer as well. So we're, we're committed to treat all platforms equally from the tooling perspective and enable these features across the board for everybody. Um, you know, engineering's hard. If we ever have to break that rule, we'll, we'll make sure that it's clearly outlined, communicated, and we take feedback on it. But currently, that's the plan for all of us. Um, another thing that we, we fixed uh, just to sort of close out the, the code editor side is, um, you know, well, two, I guess two bugs worth, worth reporting, kind of not bugs, but like features they were missing, but they felt so simple that it felt sort of like bugs. So one customer reported that um, dragging an image from the solution explorer into the XAML editor, like didn't create the, the right image tag with a path. And we thought, like some people in the team thought this should work. And we tested and we're like, crap, no, it doesn't work. Our fault, <laughs> like this should have worked. It's logical, right? You drag an image, like how hard could this be? So, so in the next version of VS 16.5, we're actually fixing that. So that's one nice. bug that was, we were super excited to get, get out of the way. The other one was re merging resource dictionaries. Merging resource dictionaries was like something you do once in a while. And every time you do it, you have to Google it because every time you forget the right syntax and the right path and everything. And, mm. and like when I saw that, that report come in from customers, I saw related to it because I had done exactly that just a couple of days before reading that bug. Like I was building some prototype to test things and I had to go Google how to add or how to merge the resource dictionary properly. Uh, so we went ahead and fixed that too. If you right click on a resource dictionary and you have the merge target open as a window, we can merge it right in there for you, add all the right paths, etc. So we're looking to take pain away from every possible place, dragging images, merging resource dictionaries, making IntelliCode lighter faster for you, like you split the windows the, the way you know you want. So lots of lots of focus on customer feedback. And I and and I hope people realize like pretty much everything I said came from customer feedback. Your feedback wow. matters. We read every one of your feedback requests to me. Awesome. Oh, and Dimitri, I'm gonna interrupt for one moment for this very important message. Hey Carl and Richard here. We'd like to tell you all about the upcoming conferences NDC is hosting all around the world. NDC London will be January 27th through the 31st. Go to ndc-london.com to register. We're going to be recording some episodes there. Come see us in the fishbowl. NDC Security Oslo is January 22nd through the 24th. Early bird discount for NDC Security Oslo is December 2nd. Go to ndc-security.com to register. And check out the full lineup of conferences at ndcconferences.com. And we're back. It's Donna Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. We're talking to our friend Dimitri Lee Allen and talking a bit about XAML tooling. And I think we're ready. Like we've set the foundation here for exactly the kind of, of uh, what's the new tools? What are you building? Yeah. What you, what's going to make our life better? Yeah. Bring it. So we just, you know, beat the code editor to death, I think. <laughs> you know, we talked about every feature that, that we can think of there. And don't let that happen again. Yeah, <laughs> we'll continue to invest. It's going to be great. Um, but let's talk about the next set of tooling. Let's talk about the live, uh, the live tooling. Um, so the, the live XAML debug tooling, the way to think about them is a series of tools that activate and make your life better as a developer when you hit F5. You start running your app. It's in debug mode. Your Visual Studio is attached. How do we, how do we keep you productive even in that state? 
And that's where we've had a feature for a long time. And again, it was a feature that existed even before I got to the team. It was called at the time XAML Edit and Continue. So it matched oh. the names of C Sharp Edit and Continue. It was just for XAML. And when I joined the team, I was you know, starting to work a lot with Xamarin Forms. And they had this feature coming called XAML Hot Reload. Mm -hmm. And I realized it's the same feature. Like They're about to launch something under a different name that actually matches better to what the community calls this feature. And we have this feature already. Not a lot of people know about it. And it's called something that functionally isn't right. You don't have to continue anything. You just have to change your XAML and it will hot reload. Right. So we decided right there to, to align the names. So we renamed this feature, our feature, to XAML hot reload as well. So hot reload sense. now exists for both sides of the fence. That's awesome. So basically, just like if you're editing an HTML file, you press refresh on the browser, everything happens. But now, is does it automatically update your UI when you just save the XAML you, file? You don't even have to save, like as you're really? typing. You're, you're typing, it is changing. <laughs> it, it, is, it is pretty damn amazing. And it works for the majority of the scenarios you can think about. And when we're finding something that isn't working with hot reload, we're fixing it when possible. So wow. I'll give you the typical example. You can open up a WPF app or a UWP app, doesn't matter. It works for e either one. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk about Xamarin Forms because I'm, I'm not on that team. So they, they, they do plenty of uh, sort of evangelism talking about their feature, but it works very similarly. So mm -hmm. in our case, the, des the desktop developer side, you open up your main page, that XAML, and you, you say to yourself, hmm, okay, this, this sort of looks right, but there's a couple of bugs here and there. Maybe a binding wasn't the right binding and I had a binding failure. So you can fix that and then binding will just start working. Once you put the right one in, again, don't even have to hit save. Your app on a different screen is just updating correctly. And then you say to yourself, okay, so we actually need to refactor this a little bit. Let me move some of these inline properties out to a style that's up at the page. And you can do that in real time. And as you're removing the properties, your, your app will start looking worse. And as you're building up the style, nothing will happen because you're just building the style in the resources section. And then when you apply the style, it applies it back to your control. So you literally never had to stop for any of that, right? As long as you're wow. not changing other code, you can do that. And even more, if you have a resource dictionary already in place, you can then paste that style from your page to the resource dictionary. And as long as, long as it's merged, everything will show up again. So you can do pretty massive refactoring in real time as you're on a page, and we, if you're on the page that you're editing, we're changing it in real time. If you're changing a page that isn't loaded on the screen, we're queuing those changes up, and as soon as you bring that page up, we'll apply them as well. So from your perspective, your app just magically changes no matter where you go in it, as long as you're, you're making those code changes. But I, I can see why you'd want to do that in queued up, because otherwise you're applying every change to everything at the same time. That'd probably be pretty slow. Yeah. Just apply to what I'm looking at. Very, very critical part of it, yeah. Mm. And the way that all this is glued together is through a series of, of runtime tooling that we have. So in your application, you're going to get a little bar at the top. Uh, the bar has a couple of buttons. That's something we call the in-app toolbar. And this bar allows you to, to click, um, you know, there's a few features in there, but the one that's most common to be used is there's a button that's a selector. It's very similar to F12 tools. You click the selector. And then you, you click on one of your controls. And we have another control in Visual Studio itself called the Live Visual Tree. And in the Live Visual Tree, we will select in the tree the control you selected. So what I'm trying to get at is if you're looking at your application, you don't necessarily know um, where this button lives, what styles it has. You know, and, you, mm -hmm. and you're looking at the button, you know something is not right. You want to go change it. 
But in, in, without these tools, even with hot reload, you'd have to find the change. So we're right. trying to make it so that it's easy to find where the code is. Because from the live visual tree, there's a button in there. You click it, it opens up the XAML file and it opens up to select it to the line and the control that you had selected in your application. So you wow. can go from your app all the way to the XAML, change the XAML, it goes back into your app and you, you can go so rapidly. It's really beautiful. People that realize this is there say that they are hooked, like they use this all the time. Um, so really, really powerful feature. And that sounds we are awesome. Making yeah, it's, it's so awesome. I, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs every chance I get to let people know that it's there. So it's part of this runtime tooling. We're, we're looking to make it better. Like I'll tell you things we improved. Um, if folks tried Hot Reload for WPF a while back, they might have criticized us, rightfully so, that we didn't support changing resource dictionaries. We have fixed that. We support changing resource dictionaries. We've had about four bug fixes come through. I don't have each one of them like memorized, but like Little things were broken here and there, some for UWP, some for WPF. We fixed all of those. So, so there's things that you, you might have said, oh, this doesn't work with hot reload. Well, now it does, or now it should if you have 16.4 installed. And if, you, and if you find something that doesn't work, use that VS feedback features. We really want to hear from you. We will try to fix it, or we will let you know why we can't. Uh, and, and we're very transparent about these things. So hot reload is such a complex product that it really takes the community's help to keep, keep us honest to make sure that it's working in every possible scenario. And as people send us feedback, we address it. Uh, so one piece of feedback that we addressed was the live visual tree. The live visual tree is a useful tool even without hot reload because it literally shows you what, how, your, how your runtime app is com composed of all the different nested control, right? So you can see that there's a page loaded, the page has a grid, the grid has some buttons and list boxes, and you can even dive deeper. You can say, how's the button composed? You know, code that you didn't even write, so you can expand that tree as well. So it's very powerful, very detailed, and this is where the feedback came in. It's too powerful. Can you believe it? <laughs> too powerful? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's, it's showing me too much detail. I don't want to see how the button's composed. I just want to see my button, right? It's adding noise. The tree's getting bigger. It, I have to scroll left and right. Like, this was very valid feedback. So we just shipped the feature in 16.4 called Just My XAML. We believe, based on all the research we've done, that it's going to impact positively most customers. So we made it on by default, but we also made it a setting. So all the changes that we're doing, we're adding settings because we know somebody won't like it, and we, we appreciate that. So we're making things toggleable. You can go back to the verbose tree, or you can go back to Just My XAML tree. And you can turn the default state of, you know, every time you restart VS, what you want it to be as well. So we really try to, to, to take that into account as part of these improvements that we're doing. Um, sometimes, you know, improvements are not improvements for everybody. That makes how how many times, and it's got to suck as a product owner, you get go to like an SDR or maybe the MVP group or something like that. And you describe this great new feature that simplifies this thing, exactly what you were describing there with just my XAML. And the hand, first hand goes up and says, can I turn it off? <laughs> it, and you know what? I, I appreciate everybody who raises their hand and says that because I've been there, right? I've, I've had things change in me and it wasn't great for whatever my workflow yeah. or my habits even. Even if I admitted that it was a better feature, sometimes the habit is the, the more important thing to maintain for productivity. So from that perspective, we're, we're committed. And we, we, in fact, you know, have, have made, like, I, I've already made one mistake where I changed something. I had the engineers make a change, and um, I forgot to add a setting there. So I learned mm. really quickly because I, I had a complaint in, in my ticket queue within, like, hours of the feature shipping. A pretty angry customer, and they were so right. 
and and I was like embarrassed. I'm like, man, so sorry. <laughs> Did not mean to do that. We added a setting in the next release. So we're we're right. very rapid about these things. The fact that VS ships updates and then ships even incremental fixes to updates occasionally for bug fixes, we we are on top of that, right? We're shipping into the product as mu- as often as possible to keep up with customer feedback and fix up our mistakes as well. Yeah, at the same time, it's like you want people to see these features. They're so head down, they won't even know they're there if you just leave them off by default. Yeah, that's one of the changes. And in fact, like Hot Reload was one of those examples. So, you know, Hot Reload is, is an interesting feature. Once you know it, it's super powerful. But when, you, when you, nobody tells you it's there, it's kind of invisible. You, you almost have to stumble on it accidentally, right? You have to change the XAML and be paying attention to your app. And you haven't, you have to happen to have changed the XAML that's loaded on the screen in order for it to update. Like, yeah. it's pretty impossible to find a feature like that. And one of the feedbacks that we got was also, even if you know that hot reload is there, it has a few cases where it stops working. You know, like by design, we, we do certain things. If you change to release mode, we turn it off because we can't hook on to your application, right? So there's some limitations right. there. So folks were complaining, you know, we, we, you know, we know it's there, but we don't know why it's not working, or we we don't know if if the if the change we're making is unsupported, or if Hot Reload isn't working by design at the moment for something we did. So, so we went to address that as well. Uh, first of all, we created documentation, which sounds awful, Dimitri. You created documentation for a feature that was there before you joined the team. Yes, I'm very sorry. We we have no documentation <laughs> for this feature, um, but we do now. We we have documentation. We're 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 back at focusing on that we're improving the documentation like lots of stuff is happening there but yes hot reload has document that explains the positive case like hey here's how reload here's what it does um, but we also created a doc for hot reload unavailable like if it's unavailable here's all the reasons that it might not be available here's fixes for it here's workarounds for certain cases um, and we decided to also in the application in that in-app toolbar i talked about earlier Say, say the words hard reload available or hard reload unavailable. And when you click on that, it goes to the right documentation for each state. What? Um, yeah. So we, we put that right in the product. It helps people discover this thing is even there. And it helps them get to the documentation for learning how to use it or learning how to re-enable it if, it goes, if something goes wrong and it turns itself off. So that's all in the product already. And you know, it's a, one person came up to me at, a, at an event I was at and they said, you just did that to advertise Hot Reload, and, and I can't blame them. You know, I, I, a little bit, sure, yes, but we we've never would have done it if there wasn't a good case for having that available, unavailable state be useful, and we made it so you can hide it. So you can click a little adorner next to it, and you can hide it, and we'll remember that. Like You can restart VS for, for the next year. That, that Hot Reload message will never appear in the toolbar again. So we're trying to respect people's, you know, comfort level there, like what they want to see, what they don't want to see while enabling functionality as well. So there, there's some changes. When you're making changes up in the style section, are those changes automatically reflected as hot reload as well? Or do you have to reapply the style? Nope. Automatically. Just okay. you change it if it's hooked up. Like if you have a style in a resource dictionary, the style is applied to the control in your page and your page, you know, hosts the control where that's the control is <laughs> like, it doesn't matter on the complexity, right? It could be a very nested scenario. When that thing is loaded in your application and you change it, it will it will work. And if something was broken in that chain and you fix that break, in other words, like some, somebody forgot to apply the style somewhere and you applied it as a fix and we applied that change as well. So all of that works right in real time. Yeah. 
that's very, that's powerful. Very powerful. So, you know, now you need the side by side. You want to see those changes happening as you go. But again, you know, you're describing that approach of refactoring into resources like that. I think I'd create the resource first and and configure all the applications and then start moving stuff up. So if I've done this right, literally nothing changes. It just happens. Yeah. The only thing that you have to stop debugging for, really, is if you're making a C-sharp change that isn't supported, or if the way that your application is built, if the C-sharp change can't really be applied into your running app. So, so let's say you load a view model, right? Like, let's use that as an example. Your app is running, your page is loaded, there's a refresh button, everything's great, you're changing the XAML, everything is still great. And then you change something in the view model. And let's say C-sharp edit and continue, that feature supports the change that you've made. Um, but there's no way to, to force the view model to reload, that change will never manifest in your running application. So that's, that's a time you have to stop debugging, start debugging. So that's one example. Right. Yeah. Um, another example is if like you're missing a control, you're missing a resource dictionary, you know, changes to your project, adding a file, Visual Studio blocks that, like you can't add it. And even if we unblock it from Visual Studio side, we need to come up with some way to, in real time, detect the control, compile the control, you know, add it to your application. It's not completely crazy. Maybe one day we'll do that, but just today we don't support it. So, you know, that's sort of light to medium crazy. Like, are you (laughs) really going to reconstitute the entire instance with a new new set of classes installed? That's kind of nutty. I I think stopping and starting is fair. Yeah. I think there's some cases where it's kind of fair, but we're always looking to see if we can make it better. You know, sometimes we... We have something that's like, it always was this way because nobody got to it. We look at it, we cost it. If it's not super expensive, it's, if it's a sprint for a dev, there's a good chance we'll do it, even if it sounds a little yeah. crazy because we, we want this feature to, to be so good that, that folks are super happy so that they're, you know, they're running app where they already logged in, it has the right data loaded, like all that context is there, their triggers are firing, you know, all the complexity that's super hard to do anywhere else is happening in the running app, we want to make it a really good experience for them. So that's, that's but I, part I appreciate of the fuzzy bits, right? All of that little tweaking and tuning, the fact that that's all live, that makes a huge difference to getting stuff done, right? Kind of yeah. core underlying coding, I can live with that, different pieces I want to bring in, but getting all the positioning right, getting, get it, getting the layout looking right, getting the styling right, gutters and stuff. You can futz for that stuff for hours, especially if you have to keep stopping and starting and stopping and starting. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's kind of all the runtime tooling that, that you know, I can talk about right now. There's other things here and there, but that's the majority of the big changes. That's and, huge stuff, though. You know, yeah, yeah, huge, huge stuff. Huge. But let's talk about the designer because we, we had this controversial statement about not meeting the designer earlier. And my mm-hmm. team, uh, you know, we build this tool and we certainly don't build it for the sake of, you know, just building it. We, we build it because... The reality is lots of customers really use it for at least previewer. Like as a previewer, it's, for, it's still a very useful thing. Most people yep. that even tell me they don't use the designer when I say, well, do you use it to preview the changes? They're like, yes. I'm like, okay, so you kind of do use the designer. You just don't yeah. use it passively, right? It's there for you. Um, so we're doing lots of work to make sure that that designer as a previewer works well. And if it's not working well for you, please report it to us. Please reach out to me on Twitter reach out to us for the VS feedback tool. We want to hear from you. There might be cases where we're, we're not doing something right and we would like to, or not doing something well and we'd like to do it better. So that's an important thing. But we also recognize that people get thrown into WPF and UWP projects all the time who don't have XAML experience. And that's where having a good designer is really powerful. And we, we are 
we are working hard through that scenario, right? So we're trying to make the designer useful for people who just don't, you know, know XAML or don't want to know XAML mm. or don't want to change XAML at the moment. If you're a power user, go use the code editor. Have fun. Like, we're making that better. Um, but one of the things that we're hoping to ship in the next uh, release of Visual Studio, so 16.5, um, it might actually be out by the time we're talking. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, this episode gets published later in in the universe of time, so so maybe by the time you're listening, you can try this feature. So this feature is um, tentatively called suggested actions. We're still kind of debating the name, mm. but the idea is very simple. You you have a control in the designer, and let's say it's a button, and and let's say the change is really really simple. You want to change the content property. You want to change the text inside the button. Today that that is really not an easy task. You've got to click on the button, you've got to find your properties panel. Hopefully it's open. Maybe it's not. It's, it might have gotten docked somewhere, you know, so you're like digging for it. Okay, I got the properties panel open. All right, great. Where's my content property? You're, you're, you now have to sort through the property list for lots and lots of properties, or you have to search. And once you get to the content property, if there's any other property you want to change, you've got to clear your search and restart your search. I mean, at this point, you're changing XAML. Let, let's be frank, right? You're it's much easier to go type your intent, um, but it shouldn't have to be that way. So the feature will add a new capability to when you click on the button to see a little pop-up. And the little pop-up will be something you can turn off. It won't be forcing you if you don't want it. If you, if you never want to see it again, like, like I said before, we'll make it a setting and you'll never have to see it again. Mm-hmm. Let's say you want it, right? So you click on the control, you'll see a pop-up and think about the, the Microsoft Word experience. You select some text in Word and you get a little toolbar next to the text. Right. It gives you like the five most common commands. Right. A context menu. Exactly. Context menu. So it's auto pop-up context menu. You click on the button and you'll see the content property there because we use, again, ML models. So we look at customer, uh, the way customers use that, you know, the, the properties, the kind, they change the properties. And we, we, actually look a lot at our own developers because they're pretty much the same developers as our customers. We, we use XAML tools to build XAML tools and we have hundreds of people working on Z, you know, working using XAML tools. So we looked at all those people and we now know which properties are the most common. And we, we basically give them to you right there. And on top of it, we are going to expand that not to just be properties, not like the most common properties, but also actions. Let's say you click on the grid and you want to add another column or row. Let's say you click on a tab control, you want to add another tab. Mm. All of that today has different UI for different controls, and we're going to standardize, standardize it under one kind of suggested actions area, which will be there as, as you click around, so you never have to go for the properties panel unless you change something that's not common. And I can guarantee you, I've been playing with this for a while, the common properties are just like really are things you want to change most of the time right like for a button is default is cancel the content the, the the funds the colors the margins all of that will be available to you really nice that's cool powerful yeah, stuff it's a big feature yeah yeah and on top of it we 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 are that does just not even gonna even begin to describe how much more we plan to do with designers we have lots of other things we're, we're validating with customers so it's nothing that's you know working yet but i'll give you I'll give you one preview, one little sneak peek into the future, even beyond things that um, you know won't ship for a bit. But uh, design time data, design time data for Xamarin developers. I'll give you an example. is much easier than it is for desktop because in Xamarin Forms world, you can fake any property for their previewer to show with a D colon. Uh, so you put D colon text right instead of text, 
And then that's a design time property. And it works for everything. Like you can create oh. fake lists, you can create, create fake controls, you can change the background color, you can do anything. So we're looking at that. We said to ourselves, why don't we add that for all developers? Like that, that's really awesome. Um, so every we, controls we, property, you can sort of fake at design time, but yes, you won't really know forms, how it looks until you run it though, right? Well, no, their previewer will show it. So, so in Xamarin Forms today, um, yeah, just, just uh, go to Google, type Xamarin Forms design time data. Uh, if, if folks have never heard of this thing, go, go check it out. It's really powerful. It's really easy. Um, the worst you can say about it is it makes your XAML a bit bigger, but none of that gets compiled, so your app doesn't get bigger, and there's no there's no chance that that will leak into your production app, like that temporary. Is it just for things like property. text, or can any property be modified? Any property. Because any property. I, I see a potential problem with that. Maybe I'm just not thinking it through, which is that you know in design time it looks great because you've got all these D properties set. But at runtime, you find, oh, that list box isn't big enough. These margins are different. Like you have a different experience in the designer than you do at runtime. Well, you're, you are intentionally making those differences. So that's one thing, you know, we shouldn't lose sight of. Like you're, we, we, at the end of the day, you have to trust the developer. Like we can't mm. make everything be super safe. Uh, we want to give you capability. So I'll give you the, the reason why this is powerful in some examples. Let's say you have some, some kind of image box. Right, and at runtime, that image box loads cat pictures. Who doesn't love cat pictures? I love cats. I hate so cats. <laughs> cat pictures. Yay! <laughs> and that requires you to connect to a server that has cat pictures, and that server connection at runtime uh, has like a list box. And when you click on the list box, you select the name of the cat, and on the right of it, it shows you a pic the picture you selected. That's all great at runtime. That's all great in hot reload. Right, all of that will help you be productive. But if you're just building that for the very first time, you might not even have a service. You have a list box, you have an image control, you wrote a lot of logic, but you haven't even wrote your service to get the data. And, you, and you're, already, you're already wondering, when that cat appears in my image box, should I add some margins? Should I add a border? Like, wh what is it going to look like? So you yeah. can start faking the image source to, to an image that you have somewhere that's not you know, going to be part of your real app. So you say D colon image source. And you, set, you point to that file, and now you have a cat in your, in your previewer. <laughs> and in our case, it would be the designer. And you can, you can see what you need to do to make that cat look good. Do you need to shrink the image box? Do you need to Duck set sauce. the stretch property? All of that stuff. And like, that's where this is so powerful. So you're right. It will look a little bit different, but it lets you get ahead of the game. It lets you get ahead of the... You can populate a list. You can, you can force the data templates to render by doing that. You can change the text property of something that would be populated at a runtime so you can kind of see is the box big enough is the font right size all of that without having to run your application and that's really really powerful so we're looking at stuff like that for future releases so you can imagine a world where your, your designer is showing design time data so the designer is becoming richer common actions are easier to reach and the designer is rendering things even better from a architecture standpoint just making sure that everything that you apply is being rendered so we're really hoping that next year will be a year that the designer becomes more and more useful, and we're really looking for people to feedback on. Mitri, I can't tell you how exciting this is for a uh, a guy who used to do a lot of XAML, and I say used <coughs> to. I haven't dusted that off in a while, but um, man, this is it would have made my life a lot easier back when I was doing it, and if I ever do get back to it, I'll be looking forward to using these new tools. Thank oh, you. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for talking to me about it. I'm excited. I hope 
folks will go, will go and I, I look, I talk to customers all the time who are starting new projects and we're, we're, we're trying to be there for them no matter what uh, platform they're choosing. All right, man. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the end.